Inside 20, for those who desire to hunt close. Brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia, Big Jim's Bow Company, Gunshy Archery, Vantage Point Archery, Custom Kings Traditional Archery, and Triple T Strings. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared from each podcast are the beliefs of the Inside 20 associates and the guests participating. So we've done a few journey series thus far, and we feel like there's a lot of value in these because we're able to bring people on to share stories that are so different in their trad journey or hunting journey, share stuff about their life and what they've learned. Uh, and I feel like it just really, it, it gives a lot of perspective for somebody, especially that's either new and traditional or somebody who is on the verge of maybe wanting to try it. And so we wanted to do that again tonight. And we've got somebody that we have not once again met in person, but he was willing to come on and, and share a little bit about his story and just how how long he's been hunting with the trad gear and then a little bit about uh, some success that he found this past season and thank god for social media because it has brought us together and gave us this opportunity so tonight we have adam teal on to tell us a little bit about his story so adam to start out just tell us a little bit about what you're where you're from how long you've been hunting with traditional and then and then really really like how this all began for you and then we can go from there so uh, first off, yes, Adam Till. Um, it's a pleasure to be on here, uh, especially after several guests uh, listened to some previous podcasts. Mr. Cooling, it's an honor to follow him up. But uh, basically, um, my dad actually built my first recurve when I was three, and uh, I continued to shoot that for a couple of years, and then I actually got a little Hoyt. Well, I got that Hoyt for uh, Easter, I believe, and the following day happened to go out and we were walking a bean field and uh i got my first groundhog with that little hoyt 20 pound recurve and i'll tell you it just it just hooked me and then every time dad grabbed his bow i was following him out the door but uh <clears throat> as far as that you know i continued to shoot traditional clear up till i was nine and uh used to shoot 3d targets all the time I don't know if you remember the old foam green targets, but I used to shoot them out oh, weekly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember those. Yeah. yeah, there's several pictures flying around me with big old holes right in the kill zone. I go out and shoot for hours and hours and hours. But yeah, uh, That's cool. But, uh, so, I really became a deer hunter when I was five. My dad had welded up this little makeshift one-inch one square tubing tree stand and uh put it next to his behind our house on grandpa's and um the very first morning he took me i finally kind of meant to take me and of course i had the old safety strap with just a double loop where he looped it around the tree and then I put it around underneath my armpits so we, we climb up and it just started to get light and this little eight pointer walked parallel us on the hillside and uh i can remember him he looked down at me he goes you want me to shoot it? And, you know, I could only imagine my face when I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he ended up shooting that deer. And uh, I tell you what, that really hooked me big time. I mean, that's all I wanted to do. And it only took me, I think, four years. Yeah, I was nine. In 1994, I uh, took my first deer with a bow. Man, and, that's uh, 
that's a good story yeah just, right then that just shows that you never know the opportunity you're going to have either as a parent or as a mentor or you could be somebody like extended family and you you take somebody and just you not even you have an opportunity to harvest a deer but seeing him do that lit that fire for you and it's not like that for everybody but it, it then on from then on you had some kind of passion for it yeah i mean i ate slept dream deer hunting from then on i mean that's all i've done in my life i'm 38 and i have 30 years of bow hunting experience it's amazing. And, you know it, it shows you know uh, i'm fortunate to live in an area we're not the best county in ohio but we do good there's some uh parcels around that hold some good deer and i'm able to get some private land near them i mean it's not easy but that works i mean it could be march or something and i'm out walking noticing deer trails river crossings and stuff but uh but yeah so when i was nine i shot my first deer and you know it just was kind of if it had horns it was down up until you know high school and then i got my license and then i started caring a little bit more about what i was uh chasing so but but as far as that you know i think it i shot my first deer when i was 23 and uh our first big one when i was 23 it was a 175 inch 13 point and that really flipped the switch for me and uh i started doing stuff different you know and you know i had a lot of screw-ups along the ways and uh you know it just snowballed you know the the next big one i shot was 2015 you know there's seven years in between and then it was 183 incher and that that's a cool story i was actually hunting a fence row out in the middle of nowhere and uh was about quarter mile off the road in this big pin oak and i had this buck walk past me and it was right after shooting light so you know you know how hard that is to let them go and uh i was walking out that night and i got about 80 yards from the road 100 yards from the road and i walked past this tree and it was about 15 foot tall and about eight inches at the base and i looked up at that tree and i said i didn't get a tree stand in there so i went home that night because i knew that bucket already went through and actually hung a tree stand in that bush basically and come back two days later when the wind switched and uh i killed that deer that Two days later, out of that tree stand, uh, wow. 183 inches long, seven yards. He walked yeah, right up underneath awesome. me. Mm. That's awesome. But, uh, yep. But, and then, you know, that basically, that changed my whole hunting outlook, you know, thinking outside the box. And I've really snowballed from there. Uh, 2018, you know, three years after that one, I had, uh, actually have been 2017 i got permission to hunt up by town and i had passed this deer up in 2017 he's probably low 50s 10 pointer and i actually had my recurve that night and i'll be straight up honest if we'd have been about five yards closer he's about 25 yards i probably would have shot him but i didn't want to push it it was in january yeah. so i knew he was going to make it. it was after all the all the gun seasons and stuff so i let him walk didn't find the sheds didn't really see much of him the next summer and i can remember telling dad i went back to put the tree stand back up because i took it down and switched straps and i looked at dad and i said i'm gonna kill that deer the first week of season and he kind of chuckled you know and i'll be selling on october i think 11th or october 5th that's when it was that deer walked out underneath me 
at like four yards. And then he went 196 and five eights. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. It's just, you know, it stuff started awesome. clicking. Obviously. So you had, but, so you have your, you have your dad to thank for a lot of your, uh, a lot of your passion behind hunting, huh? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's the, the dictionary, you know, every time I had a question or, you know, that's the basis of all my learning. And, you know, sometimes the, the student outdoes the master and he'll probably chuckle when he hears that, but <laughs> I do currently hold two deer bigger than his. So I'm going to rub that in a little bit. That's all right. Yeah. He's killed a lot of nice deer. I mean, especially in our area. So, and now does he just one and stuff, but does he just bow hunt as well now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, he, he never, never, never touched a gun during deer season. I, you know, I dabbled in muzzleloader. I like the muzzleloader late season doe hunts, you know, but, uh, I've, man, I don't even think I shot two deer with the, two bucks with a gun. That's about it. You know, the late season stuff, you know, start getting, having kids. I think everybody knows how that is. You get a little bit sidetracked and end up having to use other resources, but as far as archery that's that's our number one that's great yeah it's uh it's it's an it's an amazing just an amazing passion uh just to, to bow hunt and you know there's a lot of people out there I'm, i know that i've never tried it uh especially even just with a compound and it man it's they're missing out they're missing out on opportunity to to really become better in the woods better at setting up on game and and getting close and you, you just there's a lot of stuff that you learn from it, um, even without, you know, intentionally trying to learn certain things in the woods. And it, it shows. And obviously, you've, uh, you've been uh, blessed with opportunity. But then on top of that, you know, you've been successful based off the things that you've been able to apply uh, from being a bow hunter this long. And, and then most recently, right, you have decided to go back and, and try um, hunt with a tr- traditional bow. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So after I shot my biggest one, that 196, I had kind of peaked. I mean, you don't shoot deer like that very often around where we live. And uh, the following, actually 2020, I was uh, struggling. I mean, I had three deer, probably 170 plus, and they had all got shot before November. So here I am scrambling around, driving around in the evenings and stuff. And, you know, it was so, I can remember being, so frustrating and i went home you know just mad you know that i didn't have a deer to shoot and i can remember going home to my wife which i have the best wife ever i might add that i mean she lets me do basically whatever i want during deer season so Mm. but she said you're not you're not gonna kill a big one every year and and, you know i started to have that mentality and i'm like you know what you're right so i walked out strung up my recurve and started shooting us so i'm just gonna grab this and go and Mind you, I shot a 196-inch deer, and the two years later, I go, finally, in January, it took me a month and a half to get in bow range with my recurve, comfortable bow range. I'm at 15 yards, you know. I shoot it occasionally, but, and then as soon as I picked it up, shoot a deer, and it was, uh, I don't know, a 90-inch eight-point, and I'll tell you what, I was just as happy with that deer as I was with my big ones. You know, it just was wow. a totally different experience. I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. That's great, man. You, it's, it's funny how trophies change, um, based off the type of equipment you, um, you go into the woods with. Um, I know they do for me. Um, 
you know, I'd be happy with the, if I just harvest a doe this year, I'll be happy just because it's, yeah. it's a challenge. So not right. saying anything, yeah. not That's saying anything else you take in the woods isn't a challenge. Hunting alone is, but um, it certainly is a challenge with the recurve. Yeah, I agree. Yep. <clears throat> but the following year, I'm, I'm, this is the deer we want to talk about. <laughs> but uh this it's a really neat story um we called him the king dad had pictures of him all summer and uh you know i kind of stood back it was in one of dad's spots and i we both hunted a spot about a mile away and uh so we got pictures of him all summer and then he just disappeared in august so we kind of just played it off i drove around every now and then but there's the section to the east is a big bottom you can't really see back in there we pretty much knew he was back in there we could only hunt about 80 acres on the corner on the opposite corner where we're getting all the pictures so we just was going to be luck or we're going to have to see him in there chasing does so we we chased him up until beginning of november no sightings and uh me and dad were you know at that point gun season's only three weeks away and we're kind of you know trying to pick out other deer and I happened to notice a, a really good 10 point. And, uh, so I started to go after him and actually got within 50 yards of him the week prior shooting the big one. And thank God, you know, you, it's blessing in disguise, stuff like that. But, uh, so dad ended up connecting with a really cool wide, uh, four and a half year old deer on the 5th of November. And I'll be a son of gun the next day he's going to work and guess who he sees chasing a doe a quarter mile from where we can hunt. The, the deer he's been chasing all year. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so he he sees him and of course calls me, he's like, Hey, I just seen him, you know, and of course I can only imagine my eyes light up and uh, shine through the phone at him. But uh so that was I think a, a Saturday and I couldn't hunt that Sunday. And he seen him the next day in the same spot. And then I had to work that Monday. And then I was off for the rest of the week. So I, you know, struggled through work on Monday. And then Tuesday morning, I went in to hang a tree stand and uh, got to stand up. And I'm standing there. And I just went in to, to hang and get out. And 135 inch chain points just chasing these does all over his field. And I'm like, well, he's not in here anymore. Obviously, you know, if a deer like that's chasing does, the big one's not in here. So I backed out and uh, actually went to go haul water for my mom's hot tub with a buddy. My buddy from New York was in. He had shot a buck the day prior, so he was going to go film with us. Film with me, anyways. But we're hauling water and i'm taking the tank back to my house and we're going down the highway and guess who i see running right towards one of our stands on the property we can hunt no way yeah so we hustle home and get changed and grab a tree stand because i already had a tree stand back in there and uh we get our stuff we grab our gear and uh pretty much told Sean, I said, we need to get back here. If we get back there early enough, he's going to walk right past us. It's just this big hidden green field back there and the river's on one side and it's pretty much open crop land on the other. So if he follows the river, he just runs 20 yards right in front of us. So we get back here and we hang the, the cameraman stand 
and sit down and I can remember sitting down, we got, you know, just settling in. I'm like, there ain't no way this deer is going to come through here. We've been 45 minutes to an hour and we're only 300 yards from where we've seen him. So I can remember picking up my phone or I pull my recurve up, you know, get everything ready, put my arrow on there. And, uh, I took out my phone and, you know, I don't know how many people do this, but I start browsing on social media, you know, and, uh, I can remember thinking to myself, I'm in here to kill that deer. I shouldn't be on my phone. And I literally put my phone in my pocket and took about two breaths. And I look over my left shoulder and here he is at 150 yards walking right to us. Wow. Yeah. So I tapped Sean on the shoulder. I go, here he comes. He goes, what? He's still kind of getting the little camera things ready. I go, he's coming. He goes, who? I'm like, the king, he's coming. He's like, what? And so he turns around and sees him and instantly gets a camera. And, and all this is on film. We didn't get any film other than him just basically at 80 yards walking to us. And he walks up and the good Lord blessed me that day because he was at 27 yards. And I didn't, I thought he was about 23, 24. And I can remember, you know, putting tension on that string the whole time he's coming. And I had drawn back and I remember, at about 25, I usually I usually pick a spot on a deer, and I pick a spot about three-quarters of the way up. Well, at like 30, I'm usually picking a spot about at the top of their back. And I shoot, and this deer drops a foot, and that arrow looks like it just hits his elbow and bounces out. So, you know, I'm instant regret. You know, I should have waited or shouldn't have irped him or whatever and we look at the footage and if if you watch the video the arrow actually goes right through the heart and hits the opposite leg and makes it spin out of it looks basically look like it just went in two inches so i'm all bummed out i'm like well either he's he's dead or you know we're going to be seeing this thing in two days on the trail camera somewhere so we wait about an hour hour and a half and it's getting about half hour before dark and we get down and we walk across the field and uh there's no blood so we get back on the camera find out where he went in and i got an arrow knocked walking parallel to the river about 50 yards away from the river there's a little dike or uh, backwater dike and he's over along the edge looking for blood and i walked in about 75 yards and i turn around to come out and you know, of course my heart's you know down around my ankles and i just happened to look off my right shoulder and this deer's 25 inches wide and i can see half of his rack over some ragweeds down in the flood ground Golly. and i don't know if you've ever thrown a 1300 recurve but i have <laughs> yeah <that's true. laughs> that's awesome. but yeah we we cut loose and uh you know i'll tell you what that that was definitely the highlight of my deer hunting career for sure so oh, what was so going far. what was going through your what was going through your head um up to you know right before you fired that arrow and did you have a shot process lined up um yeah i i i bet i told myself you know pick a spot a thousand times i'm a big spot i have to pick a spot if if i just pull up and shoot i'm all over the place but if i can settle that that finger in the corner of my mouth, I can, you know, I'm, I'm there and I can remember doing all that and thank goodness he dropped the way he did. But I mean, it, it all worked together. I mean, that 
it was definitely fate for me hauling water at that time. And, you know, Sean was already done and, you know, it just, it was really meant to be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It must've been, especially too, from, from that distance. I mean, that is a, that's a poke. That's like shooting a deer, probably like 40, 50 yards of the compound. Pretty equivalent to it <laughs> in my experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so how often, it's, it's, how often do you shoot your bow? How often do you practice or how often were you practicing up to that point? Cause you knew like, Hey, I've got this deer and I, I want to kill this deer with my, my stick bow. So how often were you preparing up to that point? Inside 20 is brought to you by traditional bow hunters of Georgia. Head on over to tradbowga.com for more information and by big Jim bow company, the place for custom bows, handmade leather goods, and much more to meet your traditional archery needs. Check them out at BigJimBowCompany.com. Gunshy Archery, the perfect custom-made quiver for both two and three blade broadheads. Check them out at GunshyArchery.com. VPA Broadheads, precision machined one-piece broadheads, two and three blade mode is available. Check them out at VPArchery.com. And make sure you use discount code INSIDE20, spelled out with no spaces, for a 10% discount on any purchase. Custom King Archery, the best price on the best traditional archery product since 1972. Check them out at CustomKingArchery.com. Triple T Strings, created champion-level Flemish and endless strings for hunters and target shooters using the best materials. Check them out at TTT Strings on Facebook. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. So I had knew I was going to hunt with my rear curve all this year. So I shot some in the summer, not near as much as I should have. And then the very first morning I went down to public and hunted one of my stands and I had five does come out and I had shot and shot over the stove by like a foot. So instantly I ch- changed my regiment where I was shooting every single night until I started getting a little bit bigger groups. As soon as I start getting bigger groups, I kind of give it a day or two rest. I don't like to overdo it, but, uh, you know, shooting as much as possible without, uh, getting bad habits and keeping your confidence up. Confidence is a big thing. If you're shooting traditional and and, in my head, that's exactly right. We agree. 110% confidence is a mental game and that's what makes it so enjoyable and so satisfying when you are successful is because it is so mental i mean it really is it's so, it's it's repetition repetition and, and mental strength is what it comes down to and that confidence plays into that that's it it will kick your legs out from up under you if you like you said you gotta <laughs> learn when to ease off too and go in the house for a for a couple hours uh, because right, yep. it's, it's easy to get into your head when when you're out there practicing Yep. Yep. It's nice just going out to grab, you know, my raker, right? Mess with my sight or making sure, you know, and then you get to shooting and you're like, well, maybe I should be shooting my compound. But, you know, once, once you shoot a deer with a recurve, I mean, you're stuck. It's just something about it. I mean, it's something special. But it is. It's weird, isn't it? Isn't it weird how it sucks you in? It's like a drug. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. It sucks you in. And then, and now that you've shot, not only have you shot a, a, a few deer with a recurve and been successful here recently, but you shot a uh, a deer of a lifetime most people never even see in their lifetime. And I know you've you've done this obviously before, and that's not the biggest deer you've killed. Which, uh, I mean, this it's a rare case when you've been that successful uh, with any type of weapon, and so you've been blessed. But 
now at this point, I'm, you've got to be locked in, I would assume. Yep, yep. I, I, it, it's hard and to, to grab the compound anymore because it, it's a guilty feeling, but not a bad guilty feeling, you know. All right. It's just, well, if I grab the compound, that, that buck of a lifetime is going to walk within 10 yards, you, you know, and I'm like, well, I wish I would have my recurves. And, but, I got the recurve in the truck now, you know, going after deer, it's a mainframe six with a five inch drop, you know, my drop times on my bucket list for whitetails and, you know, I'm, I'll be carrying my recurve. You know, it just, it means so much more. What does your dad think about it? What was, what was your dad's reaction? I, like, did you call him? How did that, how did that whole thing play out? Oh yeah. He, he, we're, we're hand in hand. I mean, we're, we're chasing the same deer, so I can't be in there. He works third shift. So he, uh, he fills in the gaps when I can't be there. You know, we hunt a lot of the same spots. So we work together and we work together. Well, I mean, we, we collaborate on plans and I'm really aggressive on whitetails. Um, I'm not afraid to screw up. I really, uh, use parallel winds. I'm pushing the winds and it works for me. And I, I got to, push dad to, to get out of his comfort zone sometimes but then he talks me into playing it safe and it works too so i mean we we fact check each other but uh and believe it or not he he actually bought two black widows and is going to be shooting his recurve this year so man <laughs> that's special that's super special yeah. especially that's to cool. share that with your yeah. dad man that's something you, i know you cherish very closely to your heart and for the rest of your life too yeah absolutely yeah, we, we have share a lot of memories chasing stuff, elk, all kinds of stuff. Man, that's super special. So you were, I guess, early season then, right? Is what you said you're chasing. Is it, is it velvet season you're chasing that deer with a drop time, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, I actually just got down here today in uh, South Carolina. And uh, he's been showing up every day, pretty random times. But he's in the area, so that's exciting. It, it's going to be fun. That's it, man. Yeah. But that's it. But you use what what happened last year being success, and use that as fuel to carry you through this entire season. Because this, I mean, it's August right now when we're recording this, and so you got a long time. I don't know when Ohio season officially goes out, but you've got a long season ahead of you. And and uh, and if there is failures in there, you just you got to use what happened last year, man, just to drive you through, right? Yep. To keep on pushing. Just remember that moment. Yep. that's correct. I mean, it's. It's, I'm not a lifelong traditional person. You know, I, I don't have that concrete base, but I mean, it's like on asphalt on top of stones. You know, you just get that rock on top of you and it just holds you right there. That's it. And it's so. a testimony that at any point, no matter where you're at in your journey, your hunting journey, even if you're brand new to hunting and you've, uh, you just, you, or you've only hunted with a rifle and never hunted with a bow, you can, it doesn't matter. You don't have, it doesn't have to be the same for everybody's story, just like your life story, right? It doesn't have to yep. be the same. And it's, it's a perfect yep. testimony that you never know what could happen. You never know. And then another thing too, that really, like, I think it's important this picture to be painted that just because you're taking something like a traditional bow does not need, mean you need to have the mindset that you're limiting yourself. I know we you hear that a lot. When you talk to people that have never done it before, but that you can still kill a deer of a lifetime with a traditional bow. I mean, you can still do that. There's there's been people for for ages that have done that, and even before it was called a traditional bow. And so, I uh, just I think it's uh, it should be inspiring. I know when I saw the picture and everybody that 
listen to this episode will obviously get to see that picture um it's just man it's motivating it's super motivating to see that deer that you harvested last year um, with the traditional uh, gear and to hear more about the story and just how you've stuck with it and you're like determined to you know, go after that deer with that bow um it's, it's special yeah yeah it, it was i mean you know i had several people you're crazy you know call me crazy and i just stuck with it and i mean the outcome far surpassed the nervousness <laughs> so but uh um, well, like you like you said, you had that solid foundation. I mean, you, you hunted with a compound for, for a long time. And I mean, obviously you understood what failure was. And I think that's a big part of going into shooting traditional gear is understanding that failure and understanding limitations when it comes to shooting. And I mean, certainly compound hunters, traditional hunters, we all, we all know that. So you, you had a taste of that before even, you know, you know, getting into hunting these giant whitetail with a recurve yep yep and it's 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 not really the weapon it's it's the tactics you know you know coming from a compound recurve might not seem that much but you know i can remember the first tree stand i went to with my recurve and i couldn't even shoot out there's so many limbs and you know so (laughs) here i am readjusting a tree in the middle of november and and uh so, you know, just a small lesson like that, you know, I set my stands different now and, and I don't pick a tree to where I can shoot to 50 yards and pushing the limits. I'm getting right on top of that trail and, and it's, it's enjoyable to be that close to them. It's, it's really, really what it's about. Isn't it different? It's so different. I mean, you think about from a hundred yards to 40 yards to 40 yards to you know, 10 yards right or then even even closer than that it, it seems like they're almost a different animal when you get them in that close i don't know what you think but that's been my perception yeah i, I totally agree i mean this there's a connection to to the animal you're pursuing you know 100 150 yards you're basically uh, use the term target practice practice loosely it, you know there's skill in that too but getting in with that, you know, inside 20 is exactly what it means. You know, if you can get inside that 20 yards, it's, it's a ball game. You know, you're, you're in there. That's exactly right. So if there's one thing, and I know you just shared about stand placement and making sure that you're able to have limb clearance. Is there one thing other than that, that you would share with somebody that you have really picked up on since you swapped over to traditional gear or even from a compound world that has that you really feel like is transferable into the traditional world what would that one thing be um i notice uh stand height has really changed for me uh i used to go anywhere from 18 to 25 and granted you know one of the bucks i shot was only probably 10 foot but i'm setting basically in the smaller brushy trees rather than the the big ones with a bunch of limbs on it you know i'm getting down lower because the shot angle is a lot different with the recurve you know you're shooting at a box or pizza box sideways and then you go and turn it at a 45 degree angle and you know i don't know about you but i take the pizza box on the side so you know just stand placement's the number one thing that's good. That's really good. Yeah, we we completely agree. We've seen that many a times. You you shrink that uh, that area, that vital area that you're trying to get that arrow in. The higher you go in a tree, and it was funny the other day I was talking to a buddy 
who uh, strictly hunts with a compound and he started uh, hunting lower to the ground and just trying to really pick out trees that you've got a ton of cover around and then you put your stand in there and you trim around it and I've had that same perception the entire time that I have bow hunted is if you can find a tree or tree a cluster of trees with a lot of cover on it and get your stand in there and then trim around instead of going up there and trimming everything out or just trying to find a tree that looks more comfortable right and less work um especially one that's lower to the ground you've got more opportunity and less opportunity for error Uh, that's another thing too we've got some friends that have been very successful on the ground uh, not even using a blind just a a pack seat and a kill suit and have killed uh, some nice deer from the ground uh, and had deer super close and i've done that actually the past two seasons and had some super close calls i mean had deer at like five yards uh, multiple deer and trying to pull a shot off and it last minute just didn't work out but that's not to say that i'm done with that i just think that like you said your your angle as it changes the closer you get to that ground the the more uh opportunity for a successful recovery increases you're right on about that yep i got this anchor in the get in the edge of a cornfield with my recurve this year so I, i've been watching a lot of bucks cruises uh corn bean edges and uh that's probably what i'm going to try to do this year that's funny. I was about to ask you what now that you've done what you've done last year and hopefully you have success on this velvet hunt, early season velvet hunt with that drop time buck. What is what is next goal for Adam? And so it sounds like from the ground, sitting there with no blind and trying to stick on the recurve, huh? Yep, that that's that's my goal. It that, is a, I got four Go from the from the ground it's a rush i mean even if you don't get a shot off it, you talk about it being different oh my goodness and, and it's such a strange feeling you you feel i don't know it's weird you feel you just feel really exposed even if you're tucked in real well and you, you know they can't see you just like that is and then when they start looking at you it's like they're looking through you it's funny even if they don't know what you are but i, I wish you the best of luck it I'm sure it's it's uh it's a sweet feeling when you find success. I'm gonna find it this year from the ground. Yeah, I I, I hope I can uh, seal the deal on that one. But um, I got four kids coming up too. They tend to to get the first month October out of the way. You're usually sitting in the tree with them. So well, that's more special but, anyway. That means more. And that same thing, that the same thing you've got with your dad, maybe one of them will have that same passion, like as an adult with you one day, right? You know, get to share that. Yep. yep I, I can see a lot of them like I was when I was little. My, uh, I got my oldest is 14. He actually grabbed my recurve the other day. It's 51 pounds at 28 inch draw, pulls back, and flings an arrow. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to buy another recurve. So that was, that was a, a life moment there for me <laughs> so, it should be that's but, that's that's amazing that's great and uh man wouldn't that be awesome for him to be able to hunt with that uh, in the next few years and and find success with you you talk about really lighting that fire that would be great yeah yeah so i want to i want to back up real quick and i got i got some questions about your big recurve buck so was this a buck that you previously had on camera years before? Had you watched it? Or, I mean, I heard you talk about driving around and, you know, looking for deer. How did, how did you, how did you find this animal? Uh, I tell you the year, the year before I killed him, 
we have a couple pictures and he just, I tell you what, he just wasn't on our radar. He, he was, uh, a four and a half year old deer. He was, he was wide, but he had short tines and he had decently tall brow tines. It just, he, he jumped 30 inches in that year. He went from, you know, like a one thirties to, uh, you know, he grossed 173, but netted right in the mid sixties somewhere, but he just, he exploded tremendously. You know, he just wasn't a target until we seen him that year. But, so you knew he was there. He just wasn't on your radar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he ha- they have a centro out in the middle of nowhere, and it seems like there's actually a group of seven bucks out there this year. And there's another wide, three and a half year old with uh, six inch tines. You know, almost a younger replica of my big one. And he's he, you know, to that gene runs right in that little vein of river right there. But uh, as far as, you know, having pictures of him for several years, I mean, we probably do, but just never really stood out to us, I guess. Yeah, I just didn't pay attention to it. That, and I love a wide deer, and they're so they're so neat. Especially, like, they look a lot like a Texas deer. Other than, uh, I guess, yeah. those real super white tons and, that your deer had that based off the picture. At least it looked that way in the photo. Oh, yeah, he's, he's super white all the way out. So I think it's I think it's really I think it's really interesting how some some deer can just blow up from year to year. I always like to see that and I always I always enjoy when people post, you know, before and after uh year to year trail cam pictures of deer that have blown up. It just makes you makes you really wonder, you know, what all exactly goes into that. I know there's a science. I know there's a science yeah, there, yeah. but you know, it's it's different from from place to place. It's I find it really interesting. Yeah, my big one grew uh, roughly 45 inches in a year. He was a maybe 150-ish and ended up grossing 196, and that was in one year. And, you know, there's there's no food plots. It's just crops, ag, you know, beans and corn. So it, it's just amazing, you know, if somebody could figure out why certain deer do that and others don't, I tell you, you could be a millionaire, right? Yeah, I was just about to say, me and Matt need to figure that out and replicate that down here in Georgia, man. It's unheard of. That's right. It's different. It's definitely different where we're at. Uh, we, we do have a lot of good opportunity. There's There's been uh, some some really nice deer killed in our areas, and we've had opportunity at some deer, at least been able to hunt them, I should say. Yep. If you guys ever want to come to Ohio, uh, don't be afraid to ask. <laughs> yeah no that's yeah that's funny uh i've actually got a trip planned this year somewhere in the midwest and so i'm excited that'll be the first trip out that way that i have ever been on uh to deer hunt and so uh, from what i've heard it is just it's a, it's a different experience and the land the way the land lays out you know we got a lot of timber we're at there's there's so many big blocks of timber and woods and uh, there's a lot of deer. I, I would think the number of deer, the deer density, density is a lot higher here where we're at versus where you're at, um, I assume. So I don't, I don't know exactly what part of Ohio you're in, but the, what you've been describing with big ag fields and I guess fingers of woods, it sounds like what, what you're hunting, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, there's a road every mile. It's, if you grid off of a countryside with uh, square mile blocks, that's what we got. And then there might be anywhere from a 40 to 100 acre woods in a block, you know, so 75% of the countryside is ag. And then 
we do have a river kind of close and that river bottom holds some deer. The, the biggest thing around us is there's several spots that nobody's allowed to hunt. So it, it can be frustrating watching these deer on there, but you know, in hindsight, these deer are growing big. And then once, uh, so many bucks get mature, they start spreading out and that's when we capitalize on it. So it's, it's a that, blessing in disguise for sure. It sounds like it. I mean, that that's the name of the game is deer getting old. Uh, and I, I don't, th- I, I wouldn't say that, deer's nutrition is not a big part of that i think it is but i think that if you especially if you look in some of these like suburban areas that you see some of these deer getting that big um you know grossing 180 190 inch deer i think it's age right you got a lot of age and then genes play a part of that but what are these deer really eating on if they're in a really highly populated suburban area right eating on people's flowers and and it just (laughs) I think that's a big part of it. Um, and so having an area like that where you don't have a lot of people hunting or they can't hunt, then they have that opportunity, especially if, if you are willing to, to let those deer walk from year to year. Uh, and so that, that's, that's obviously it's, uh, you've been able to reap that reward as a special. Yeah. Yeah. I've been very fortunate. You know, it's, uh, it's come together a lot of times for me, but, uh, I mean, I, I don't ever stop deer hunting. I mean, I could be on the way to the grocery store and notice, you know, some young bucks out in the field and I pay attention behind my mom's. There's actually a bigger woods. And, uh, you know, I had 13 bucks walk past me one morning. And, and if you pay attention to certain bucks, you know, you, you get a relationship with them. You, you know exactly where they're going to be during the rut or which side of the woods they're going to be on or, you know, which way they come into this field. And, you know, a lot of little things you can pay attention to to capitalize on, on connecting on the big mature deer too. That's right. Just got to be out there and you never know yeah. what could happen. Just be able to mm-hmm. apply that too. Only a bad hunter, the hunts that you didn't learn something and didn't take it going forward to the future hunts, right? That's absolutely true. So, so Adam, I got a question for you. Um, moving forward in your traditional journey, are you going to become a part of any um, trad groups up there where, where you live, or have you reached out and found any like-minded people near you? Um, yeah, there, there's several uh, traditional rendezvous that actually me and Dad went to a couple weeks ago. But uh, it, it, I'm right at that. I got, you know, kids are playing sports and stuff. I barely get to eat breakfast in the morning on the weekends. And uh, hopefully here in a couple of years, I'll be able to slow down a little bit and, and take a little bit further as far as uh, joining groups and stuff. But, right. Yeah, I totally get that, man. Yeah, that's that's priorities for sure. Well, Adam, um, man, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, that deer you killed uh last year your your recurve deer was was a, a true trophy and you did it in such a way that it's i mean it's inspiring man i mean pick that up and and kill that deer that's that's awesome or even just to pick it up i mean not even have success is um just get in there and do it's one thing but you you accomplished your goal and i i commend you for that want to wish you a lot of luck this year i know you're going for that drop time buck i hope we get to see pictures and um hear the story here very soon yeah me too for sure that'll be great that'll be great well uh, i'm gonna close this out in a word of prayer and um we can go on with our night that's good dear heavenly father thank you for letting us come together and talk about a, 
a passion that burns in all of us, hunting and your creation, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for Adam. Thank you for uh, his family, Lord. Please keep them safe. Keep him safe as he travels and hunts this year, Lord. Um, Lord, I want to come to you and, and say that I hope you bless all the things we do and say as we carry on throughout this week, Lord. I pray all this in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you letting me chat with you guys. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Yep, sure has, man. Thank you.